Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You're tuned in listening to United to the Moose. This is the Cinematic Odyssey. We are... Da, 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 da. One year. One year. Happy one-year anniversary of the Cinematic Odyssey. Max, it's been a fun year. First year of doing this. Um... And I got to say, as long as I've wanted to start a podcast while I was at school, it took me a while, but, you know, it happened. Eventually it happened. And um, it's been a great time. It's been a great time. Indeed. You know, Tristan, I've got some great news. It's a podcast healthily delivered uh six pounds six ounces approximately 43 episodes in length uh counting this one of course uh (laughs) this is this is the 40th film too how about that for a landmark i know uh but we're uh we're cruising i mean honestly i didn't know what i was expecting i kind of just enjoyed really talking about movies with you you know prior to the suggestion of starting this and getting into it and i'm very very happy that you suggested this podcast i'm very happy that i said yes yeah i'm very happy that we've been doing this and i hope we continue oh most definitely i mean yeah because i'd wanted to start one at, at the station for a while before you came so like the year prior i'd wanted to start one but i guess i just couldn't find anyone to do it with me um because i didn't want to do it by myself i can't talk by myself for an hour uninterrupted like that's just impossible for me to do um so i'm glad um you know you came to the station you were into films and you know, that kind of sparked the idea or put the idea into practice. We started off with the lion. Um, and I think we've come a long way in terms of the way that we talk on on the podcast. Oh, definitely. Like, I think we've sharpened the 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 rough edges. We've We've certainly, I think, we've gotten better. I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased, but compare us now to the very first episode i think we've gotten a lot better in terms of the way we talk about describe uh, these films and talking about the themes i mean we've had episodes where i think we just kind of like went on and on over the same thing we didn't really get anywhere but i think we've also had episodes where we got into deep uh, philosophical discussions over over certain themes and in uh, certain yeah. movies um like last also... week. oh yeah yeah um but uh um i don't know man it's been it's been great and even though i have been away from wvu for over been a year now a little over a year Right? No, no, no. It hasn't been a year. It hasn't no. been a year. No, no. Timing. It's been like a few months. Uh, it's been like half a year. Yeah. 
Yeah, like six months, five months, something like that. But it's been a while. It's been a while. But yeah, I always, you know, I wanted to continue to do this even after I graduated. Look at us doing that. Yeah. Making that reality. And also, you know, shout out to everybody who listens on a day on the uh, on a weekly basis. All our loyal fans out there. All five of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All like twenty five. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't checked our analytics recently, so I have to I have to to look at that. But regardless of the number, thank you for those that ha- that do listen every week. Listen to us ramble on. But whatever thank you. film we're talking about. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hearing us. We appreciate no. it. Yeah, for real, we do. We do. Uh, it's good to to know that we have people that actually do listen. So we're not just kind of doing this just for, you know, for the for the fun of it. You know what I mean? Not kind of just wasting our time. Because I feel like you know the the discussions we have and the films that we we talk about are um are worthy of discussion unless it's like fateful findings oh god don't remind me <laughs> oh gosh i mean uh, that's all i got oh man i mean we'll we're gonna we're gonna talk about our uh favorite favorite episodes later oh yeah our favorite films that we've we've talked about plus we've got a brand new schedule coming out uh and not like changing release dates but updating on what films we're talking about next we finally decided we've come up with a brand new list it stretches to december yo I know. you 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 can plan in advance you can spend this beautiful, like, next weekend, you can spend this beautiful fall weekend in just inside watching all the movies that we're about to talk about in the next month. So then you're prepared and you've studied up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then you can, you know, not be spoiled by listening to this entire thing. <laughs> we do it on the daily. I know, I know. I know. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's been great. It's been great to do this. And uh, for this week, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, considering it's October, spooky season is upon us. Although we are a bit late to the party. <laughs> uh, um, a week to be to be exact. I think it's appropriate for us to talk about a horror film. Although I'm sure like many of my picks, this film you've probably have never heard of. <laughs> um and I'm <laughs> I know that you didn't hear about it, you've never heard of it before. Yep. I mentioned it to you. <clears throat> but to be fair, I I didn't hear about it until very recently either. So there's that. By the way, the go. film the film is called Cure. It's by a Japanese director by the name of Kiyoshi Kurosawa. No relation to Akira. No relation. It's different so, Kurosawa. Yeah, different different family. 
um, but still very talented nonetheless. Um, yes, Cure. This is a film about a p- police detective trying to figure out who is killing, like a serial killer case. Um, but it is not at all what you expect because the serial killer is not doing the killings himself. He is making people do it for him. Um, The film is terrifying. But not in the traditional sense of the word. Like, there's no jump scares or anything like that. There's no... um... Yeah, there's no jump scares. There's no, like... You know, what you would traditionally call scary. Like, there's no demonic things. There's nothing, like, scary looking, I guess. I mean, well, I wouldn't (laughs) go that far. (laughs) Okay, that's true. That's true. There's certainly creepy images or imagery. That's for sure. But I, but where the, where the, the scare factor comes from is the way that Kiyoshi builds his atmosphere with sound and with editing and and his direction like sound specifically is one thing like I think that's probably the number one aspect of this film that that makes it so sinister absolutely and it's brilliant how he plays with sound in this film um because man it's crazy what yeah it just ratchets up more and more the more the the further you get along with watching it it just gets you just feel so much more i don't know i i got like Tensed up, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, I know. Yeah, I mean, tell tell me what you think. Your first impressions. I I couldn't tear my eyes away from the screen the last twenty minutes. <laughs> I I could feel, I could feel my heartbeat in my neck. I could <laughs> feel my ears getting warm. I did feel sick and disgusted a little bit um i i just feel the need to read what i wrote on on letterbox just for necessity's sake it's gross and terrifying but oh so suspenseful and interesting really good if you didn't care for dinner and want to part with it <laughs> so, you know if you just you know i mean and, and and to clarify, there are images in this that are disturbing and creepy, but it's not, you're going for, Kurosawa's not going for shock factor, really, because it's all been kind of established in the world that he's created. It's all been kind of alluded to and mentioned. It's all realistic. It's bloody, it's corpses, it's decomposition, there's quick cuts to show like terrifying visions um i mean 
spe- uh, specifically the uh, like the quick cut before um, Takabe comes in and sees his wife hanging. Yeah, like she's not, but you, like you just kind of get that hint, and then it goes away, and you're like, "Wait a minute, I know that lady," and. It just kind of clicks, cause, and you're right, there's that little bit of sound that goes with it, and what it... I, I agree, I, do you want me to just dive into sound a little bit? Because yeah, I'm rare to go. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. The sound of... Uh, what is it? Mamiya? Is that the character, Mamiya? Um... Yes. I think, yeah. Mr. Mamiya, he lights a lighter, and it basically just puts everybody under. And the sound of that, you just hear the sound of it, and it's just this little... And it's so good, because it's chilling, and it kind of just freezes everything afterwards. And whenever they do those quick image switches... I hear that sound in the background, just fueling those, as it's the sound of paranoia, it's the sound of hypnotism, it's the sound of nothing being real. But I feel like I should take a step back, you should set the scene just a little bit. Okay, so yeah, I mean, the we, we, <laughs> the first scene is, it's such a clash tonally, like with the music that's playing. Yes! Like, <laughs> I was expecting like, whimsy! Yeah, I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? It's because we're watching this guy um, walk to some apartment or hotel room or whatever. He takes, like, a water pipe with him that he breaks off. And meanwhile, in the background, or the music that's playing in the background, is some, like, like lighthearted piano riff that's just kind of playing. And I'm like, is this, like, a rom-com? What am I watching? And then the next moment, we see this guy hit some woman on the bed with the pipe. And then the next scene, the cuts to him in the shower with a bunch of blood. He's, like, washing off blood. And then the scene's over. <laughs> and then um, and then the next time we see it, it's a you know crime scene. And then we see the X on her throat. A giant X on her throat. It's super bloody, super super gory, messy. It's not good. It's not a good look. Yeah, may I, I kind of just kind of. I'm gonna. I'll put this on the record. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all the all that uh, all that to say is that I think with that, you know. I mean, my immediate reaction to seeing her throat was like, yo, what the... You know, I jumped back. I was like, okay, this is um, going to be a lot darker than what was um, uh, set off to be. But I think, I think with the music, I think what that does well is it's, it sets you up to expect one thing, but then something else that you didn't really expect to happen next. Oh, absolutely. And, and that is 
Miami, Miyama, Mi, Mamiya, 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 Kunio Mamiya, our antagonist. We'll just call him that. Yeah, the antagonist. Um, but one more thing about that opening music too. It's kind of, I mean, it's it's whimsical, it's happy sounding, but it's a little monotonous. Uh, and I mean, look, they go into it later in the film that it's kind of a a repeated noise or a peaceful noise, you know, water dripping, um, the lighting of a lighter that that gets people uh, hypnotized and put under. Yeah. The idea of the chords on the piano that are being played just kind of being block repetitive chords that sort of just set out like a little metronome, like a little happy little metronome, just ticking away like, everything is fine, nothing can go wrong, (laughs) happiness and joy, pipe over the head. (laughs) And you kind of just were lulled into that little bit of, you know, that false sense of security. I mean, I know I was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, but being, like, we're lulled into that little moment of, like, just sitting back and kind of letting our eyes glaze over, which is exactly what happens to, like, at least six people in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's such a great, yeah, that's a great way. I mean, that's exactly what that that companion piece does for that scene and it sets the tone for the entire film perfectly well even though i mean the music itself is not at all tonally matched with the the content of the film um but i think yeah you're completely right in terms of the way that it's monotony and it kind of being like background noise because a lot of a lot of these sounds that we hear throughout the film, it's stuff that people can ignore, you know? It's not necessarily something that's, like, in front of your face. But but the way that Kurosawa uses those things, those everyday things that we don't really bat an eye about, he makes them terrifying. And that is amazing, the way that he pulls that off. Because it's a slow build into that that sense of dread. With literally every single noise you hear, you're like, oh my god. Uh, what, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I, I'm a paranoid person at heart. I don't watch a lot of scary movies. Ooh, mama. Uh, I, I, I want the record to show I watched this in at night with my door closed. I mean, noted the lights were on in my room my, by my white lights. But uh, I'm next to my window. It's dark. The shade is up. I'm on the, could call it third story. If I look out the window and see a face, I'm going to scream. I'm going to lose anything that's inside of my body. And I'm going to panic like you've never seen before. Which is great because windows are reflective and I can see my own face in them. (laughs) So. (laughs) 
That being said, you hit the nail on the head. The ordinary is terrifying. The simple is weaponized. Yeah. And it preys on doubt. It preys on your own mind to kind of Mm. make it work. Beautiful. Yeah, and, um, you know, our main character, the police detective, uh, Takabe, he he's thrusted onto this case and in every instance up until like the fourth victim or third victim, he finally figures out, okay, there's something up with this. Um, but in every case, the, the person who murdered, uh, the killer does not remember a single thing about the killing or like, or no, no, that's not right. Does well, sort of, and yes, they don't remember anything that happened right before the murder. So they don't, they don't, they don't have any recollection of talking to somebody. Um, and like the X, what the X means, they don't know what that means. They don't remember that. Yeah, but they do have remorse for the person that they killed. Um, and so, you know, we see the first, the first victim of this hypnotism and, you know, I don't, I don't know if even hypnotism is real. I don't think it is. Um, I'm just going to go on a whim and say it it probably isn't real, (laughs) but let's just say for the sake of argument in this film, it is very real. Very yeah. real and very powerful. So you know, yeah. uh, Mamiya, he is a very good hypnotist, very very good, um, genius hypnotist. And he shows up at some beach, and he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know why he's there. He doesn't know how old he is. He doesn't know his name. He doesn't know what he does. He doesn't know anything. So this is his, like, this is how he always opens up every conversation with somebody he meets. He always says, why don't you tell me? Tell me about you. Who are you? What are you? Why are you here? He, he asks these same questions over and over and over again. And it's like, these people who are either frustrated, angry, whatever, or just, like, willing to entertain him in these questions. They go about and answer, answering, the, answering these questions for him. And then he does something. He either turns a lighter on or he turns on a sink, fills it up with water, tips the glass over so it spills the water or I don't know his voice him asking questions like it doesn't even matter what it is it could be literally the sound of an AC unit that he'll weaponize you know oh yeah like he'll do whatever is at his disposal to um 
to hypnotize people. And he's so good at it. He's darn good at it. Uh, and it's he's terrifying. Eight. It's terrifying. It's... It's kind... I mean, this is... This film is cited as, like, a precursor to the Japanese horror um, kind of, like, renaissance and having uh, producing a lot of horror film in the country. The... Like, honestly, it, it feels a little bit more like The Ring. Because, I mean, in The Ring, what, you watch the tape, you're given seven days before you die. And you're going to die. Here, it's, you can just talk to a man. He'll find out a little bit about you. Plant something in your brain. Uh, about how to change your life, make it easier, better, whatever. And then the next time you're conscious, you're, I mean, possibly naked, you're a murderer now, and you've killed possibly your spouse, possibly your coworker, somebody that you've known, but have been manipulated into hating. And brutally killed them too, not just like, you know, pushed him down a flight of stairs like and i i was uh, i'll be honest i was trying to do research about the cutting the x in the throat and seeing if that's you know symbolic of anything and i was getting way too many uh results that involved slashing and homicide and i'm like i'm gonna get put on a list if i keep going so i'll just say i don't know right now <laughs> Would be put on a list. Yeah. Gee, cutting someone's throat, X across the throat, uh, knife wounds to throat, how to cut someone's throat, <laughs> and then it just—I mean, like, what does getting your throat cut feel like? Like that was the first result. Actually, it wasn't even related to my question. Oh boy. I, oh boy, I got out of there quick. <laughs> that was the first page of Google. <laughs> uh, I would like to put on the record one more time. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, um, so yeah, this guy, this guy is a genius hypnotist and he weaponizes anything he can to, yeah, plant this idea in that person's in the person's mind so they can go and kill somebody and the final send-off to that hypnotism is he makes an x sign with his finger and that's kind of what is like the triggering moment it sets them off it's like go my minion go do your do my bidding <laughs> god you know? Like, I'm looking behind me right now. I just want to be clear about this. I'm looking behind my myself. I can see you. I can see you. Yeah. Don't worry. It's all they, good. Oh, they can't. <laughs> I can see behind you. You're good. You're good. All right. <laughs> Don't like that I have a bathrobe hanging up behind my, my bedroom door. It's okay, Max. <laughs> looks, like a, like, looks like a person. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Don't worry. You're not going to die. Um yet <laughs> but uh yeah 
Um, yeah. Uh, so, like, these scenes that we see the hypnotist talking to these people. So, in one case, it's, like, some dude who lives with his wife. He's a teacher. The next is, like, a, a police officer. And then another time, it's um, a nurse. And in each of these moments, except for the first teacher, we don't see their entire conversation. But in the police officer's... Uh, actually, not in the police officer's case, either. But in the nurse's case, um, we see him, like, plant this seed. And he talks about, you know... He goes on. And this is what he does. He doesn't let them speak. He doesn't let them speak. Because he wants control. He wants total control and power in that conversation. So he just kind of goes on about, like, oh, you know, you're, you're a doctor. Well, she's a doctor, technically, not a nurse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not a nurse. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you've never opened up a man's cadaver before or whatever. You never cut a man up before. Well, that's what he's... That's once she's in the trance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, it ha- I mean, she's not going to respond. Oh, that's true. He's just monologuing. It's yeah, great monologue. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, so he does. That's like a part of his technique. Um, but you know, I I want to highlight the fact, at least in the, in that scene, right? Because he doesn't have his lighter. Yep. So he uses a glass of water to. To get her to get her hip, hypnotized, yeah, or mesmerized, and it's, just yeah, and it's like when he tips the glass over to hit to hit the the table or whatever, and to spill the water. Oh my gosh! It's like it's frightening. Yeah, it's genuinely frightening. I jumped back. I was like, whoa, and you know it. it and you think, you think, right? If you were in that situation, you would never fall for it. But like... It's, yeah, it's so know. innocuous. Exactly. And the best part is, it's not like he's picking random people. They're just people who come across him. Like, this is just kind of random. So he's on a beach one morning, and he's walking, and oh, I see a guy... Oh, I'll talk to this guy. I don't know where I am. He plays the clueless card. Uh, follows him home. And then that's the English, the, the elementary school teacher who kills his wife. Now he go, heads back from away from that house into town. I mean, that murder is getting investigated. But he heads into town and he's up on a roof. And the cop is riding through the street, sees him up on the roof, says, Hey, do, don't be on the roof. Catches him, brings him in. And that conversation happens. And the next day, that cop shoots his coworker in the head. And then cuts the ex in his throat posthumously. Fun. Uh, but based on everything that they had said, they had said in their conversation the previous night, uh, Mamiya is being transferred to a hospital. And so he's going to get checked up by the nurse. And he's getting checked up by the nurse, and then, whoops, the nurse goes under, and the nurse kills somebody in a public bathroom. 
it's like it's just a chain of command. It's not like he's seeking people out to kill. It's just kind of a happenstance that you're here. Because Takabe, the detective, is just discussing motive. Why are all these people killing in this fashion? And they they say it so many times in the first, like, 40 minutes. The devil made them do it. Uh, they're looking for the reason, and sometimes the reason is there is no reason. Yeah, as his, like, partner or whatever says. Um, yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. Going off of that, there is no... There really isn't rhyme or reason. He's just trying to... I mean, what is it? Like, unlock your true self? Or free yourself from the, the, the binds that you fi- you find yourself trapped by? Like, kill your wife, you'll be free, I promise. Kill your co-worker, he pisses you off. Get rid of him. I mean, but even then, I don't know if that's, like, actually what they are thinking about. Because we see it in, at the towards the latter half of the film, when... Takabe is interacting with uh, Mamiya more often he's increasingly getting more um, irritated and frustrated and angry and he's like harboring some ill will towards his wife when before they even started talking to each other there was none of that there you know yeah So, so talking to uh the hypnotist is putting these thoughts in these people mind in these people's minds that weren't there before yeah so then they can justify them killing whoever you know they plan on killing um, i mean i think it's entirely possible that it's in there already and that he just brings it out. Because he has that whole monologue and that whole conversation about the self. And what's inside of me, there is nothing inside of me anymore. I, tr- I seek to bring what is inside of other people outside of them. Because he's just... Because he, I, I see him as this cold-blooded sociopath who is kind of just, I'm going to... I have the power to make these people kill, and so I'll use it. But, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I agree with those thoughts being in those people's heads already, though. I don't know if I agree with that, that thing he says. I mean... I mean, let's look... I mean, I, w- I would argue yes, because I want to look... Like, if we look at Takabe, he's a cop. He's a detective. He works a lot. Uh, he's been taught to never show his emotions. He's been taught to never state his emotions. He's been taught to keep that all inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His wife is becoming increasingly uh, amnesia-ridden. She is having psychotic breaks. She's going out to the store and then forgetting where to go. She is going to her psychologist appointment and forgetting and getting lost on the way. Right. Her her brain is wiping. Her she has no idea where she's going. Um 
she one night, she usually leaves dinner out for him. Instead of leaving dinner out, she leaves a raw, I don't even know what that was, like a raw pork chop. Just on a plate. On a plate, yeah. For Takabe when he comes home. She has no grip on reality. He is saddled with gruesome brutality of catching people who do disgusting things and then has to come home and play caregiver and he, I, I, I can gather that he can probably feel a little bit resentful and he could probably just be tired of having to come home and do that and, and fit in that role. And so all Mamiya is doing is bringing that out to the surface. I mean, with the officers, I mean, he doesn't like them. I mean, they get along because they're coworkers. They, they, they share space. That's that's how the na- that's the nature of the job, but like if you bring it out, you know you wouldn't have to deal with him anymore if you killed him. Problem solved. I mean, if you <laughs> want to say the one that you don't get, the one that I don't get again is is the first one, the elementary school teacher, and it might just be an ability just flex and say, "Look what I can do. I can make two <laughs> loving people kill each other." Uh. But I think especially with Takabe, I think it's bringing out what's inside of him. Especially considering the the path that he goes down throughout this film. Yeah, definitely with Takabe, that's for sure. No, you're right on that. You're right on that. Um, I don't know, I guess... I guess with the instance of the the police officer and the teacher and the 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 doctor, I guess I just kind of had that that thought. Ooh. Maybe he is just kind of planting things in their mind that don't really exist. Yeah, he just has that power. He has that ability to do that. Yeah, um, but with Takabe, I mean, no, most certainly that was already there in his head, and he just kind of let it out. So. Maybe sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But regardless, I mean, um, he Takabe, you know, we see him getting more and more angry the more he interacts with Mamiya. Um, and it's not like, you know, Mamiya is really doing anything. I mean, he is. And that's the that's the interesting thing, right? Because like when he talks, he doesn't really talk about much. Yeah. He's just asking questions. It's such yeah. it's such a like surface level and like I don't know, it it's not anything deep that he's like saying. He's just asking, Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you here? You know, that's literally like he's like, tell me more about yourself. That's that's all he asks. Yeah, and that's all it takes. And. And uh, Takabe attempts multiple times to try to he asks those same things to him. 
and he obviously doesn't get anything in return. And um, but it it gets to a point where uh, Mamiya um compliments Takabe and says, "You're amazing." Um, I guess referring to maybe the fact that he's sort of resistant to the hypnotism. I don't I don't know. I I couldn't quite catch what he was referring to in that instance. I mean, I don't know if you did. I I I he, he might be resistant cuz he does seem to do the right thing to always kind of avoid it, throw the lighter or tell him to stop whatever he's doing. But like shifting his focus but i think it's again the similarity between the two of them of he's got no emotional life takabe's got nothing inside and he's kind of just a husk who with duty i guess yeah and it's possible that mamiya feels the same way that he's also this kind of i mean he gave away any any sort of i guess humanity he had in order to get this gift to make people kill each other. And right. he he's just got that power of suggestion. He's got that power of playing the dumb character and forcing people to open up. And, I mean, God, if he were a self-help guru, if he were on Dr. Phil, you know, <laughs> I would just... I would go nuts. <laughs> I would go absolutely bananas. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, and we, and I think also too, I think maybe the reason he also says you're amazing. Now that I think about it, um, aside from like their connection on an emotional level, I think maybe. Mamiya sees that Takabe can do the same thing. Like he's he's he has the ability to do what Mamiya can do. So maybe that's why he says he's amazing. That's possible. I don't know. But I mean, especially considering what what he what he's able to do later. Like I I yeah, considering he seems to have that gift at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just this battle between the two of them. The second half of the film. You know, it's this constant back and forth between the two of them. And then, you know, we see his partner, Takabe's like partner or whatever. The, the Sakuma, right? Sakuma's his name? Yeah, Sakuma. the uh, psychologist. Yeah, Sakuma. Um, he's sort of like his guide to um or his aid to figuring out what Mamiya is doing and you know we find out that you know he is in fact using hypnotic suggestion um to make these people commit these murders and we see we see where he lived and um he has a bunch a ton of like psychology books um most of them dealing with like hypnosis 
and like one of them orders yeah, yeah yeah one of them in particular references to this guy named was it memres mesmer 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 um who is this 18th century austrian psychologist who um was like i guess one of the earliest recorded uh people to ever use hypnotic suggestion yep and he kind of was i guess a pioneer of this technique with the x and the x being this <laughs> the the moment to trigger somebody into doing whatever the the hypnotist is wants them to do um but i guess in this case it's just killing somebody cuz there's a there's a video we see in the film that sakuma has has acquired and it's a film from like the early early nineteenth century, and wait, not early, um, late, wait, late nineteenth century or early twentieth? Late nineteenth, I want to say like eighteen nineties. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's of this dude doing the X to some woman. And then the woman, there's like an article, a newspaper clipping of, of the woman killing somebody, and then she died. Her son. And she was killed. Yeah, her son. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with the X in her in the son's throat. So what Mamiya is doing is not new, you know. Um, but, you know, watching this film, and I'm like... The further we I get along in into watching it, I'm getting more and more like worried about the fact that maybe somebody can do this, if this is even possible. Because you know, sitting safe safely on the couch watching the movie, you're thinking, "Oh, it's child's play." Mm. <laughs> I would never. This is I would never be hypnotized. <laughs> uh, um I mean hey I don't know was was Takabe hypnotized at the end there? No. No, you don't think so? I don't think so. Only because he would be the one to have the knife instead. Well, if he were hypnotized, he would be the one to murder. He would no, be the no, one before to before him at before that scene at the restaurant. Got it. Okay. Oh, so, in the um, in the abandoned warehouse in the building street. or whatever, where he kills. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. You want me to be honest? I don't think so. I don't think he's hypnotized. I think he's corrupted. I think that's sort of the word I'd rather use. I think he's he's damaged goods, not under Mamiya's control. I see. He, I, I don't think that he is 
I don't, I don't think he's like, I want to die. I want to get shot by this detective three times in the chest and then try to put him under and then get shot five times in the head. <laughs> I don't think that he wanted that to happen. Yeah. However, I mean, the influence of being around him has that negative connotation because everybody that he's talked to has basically killed somebody else. And those that haven't killed somebody else are because he hasn't fully uh, left them in, in, an imprint on them. Like, uh, what's his name? Like, Fujiwari, uh, or, or Fujiwara, um, who's the, uh, like the head of headquarters or whatever he is in that like press conference meeting thing. Yeah. He's into it. He's giving... Mamiya the information that he needs right? but he can't hypnotize and insinuate oh by the way you should kill everybody in front of everybody right right um and I, I want to mention in that scene is there water drops in the background I think so yeah right oh, like throughout Throughout the entire scene, there's just water drops happen, like you you hear. Yeah, it's so unsettling, man. It's so unsettling. It's terrifying. Wow, oh my gosh, and it's it's crazy, like how everyday sounds or just things that you don't even pay attention to become the things you pay most attention to. Yeah. It's brilliant. I mean, brilliant from Kurosawa to be able to pull that off. Um, And yeah, you know, the the sequences where we see Takabe kind of in his own head thinking about the worst case scenario. Um, But he doesn't, and I think those other people that are under hypnotic suggestion have have those exact same thoughts. However, I think they they are thinking of um instead of like in this case Takabe thinks of his wife being hung, they think instead of doing the killing. You know, nah. I don't know. Ugh. But even I mean... then like even then, at the end, we do see her dead. Unless it's somebody else. No, that is her. So that's what makes me think maybe he did kill her. I don't that's, know. Yeah, entirely possible. Or or he hypnotized somebody to kill her. I'm, I mean, do you think... I mean, this is kind of getting in the weeds. Do you think there's like a... Uh, hypnotist's contingency plan like if you kill me if i die this woman whom i have never met is also going to die and then decompose because it's not like she's just dead she's also decomposed 
that was a dis that was another oh, bad image yeah. to show on screen because she's and not she just the, it's not just X. her. She had the X. Yeah. She had the X in her throat. No, she did, but she's also extremely dirty and moldy and gross. Oh, mm. which I, I again I would like to submit for the record. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> disgusting. Thank you for showing that on screen, uh, Kurosawa. I greatly appreciate it and feel so happy to have been part of this uh, experience. <laughs> but um, time passes, and I don't want to know what I, I really, honestly, I don't want to know what happened to her all i know is that she's dead and i mean do i even want to believe that can we believe it especially considering he saw her hung and she was actually just in the kitchen making dinner i don't know it's like as as i don't know i mean i want to say that maybe he did he did put that X on her. I don't know I about that. I See, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's another vision. Because it's this just nurse. This nurse just turns around. We flash the image of the dead body. And then we go to like this restaurant or a laundromat or something. Oh, you're right. You're right. And we just kind of just see it. That's same true. way, same way we saw it when she was hung. That's true. That's true. So maybe, yeah, maybe it was just a vision that he had. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you look at Sakuma, the uh, psychologist. He got into the room. He started talking to Mamiya. And, and he, he goes crazy. And he always he always warned Takabe not to do it. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why he also says you're amazing. Cause he's so like resistant to it. But you know, it's it's interesting because it's like I don't know, I mean you would think Sukuma given all the information he knows, he's a psychologist. Yeah. He would know the techniques that he would employ to get him, to get him entranced. Right? But I guess no matter what, I mean, it didn't matter. He still was hypnotized. He still committed him. He committed suicide, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but he studies real stuff. He studies legitimate uh, science. He's not focused on hypnotizing and control oh, and true. animal magnetism and all that. Yeah. So he's just like, this guy is full of a crock of crap. I'm going to walk in and he'll be mine. Nope. I mean, he's got the X. Like, like honestly, like the pivots to the X in everybody's house, like when... You have no idea how it got there in the first place. We see, like, the shot of Sakuma 
frantically, like manically clawing at the X, trying to erase it. Yeah. When actually it's been clawed into the wall. It's not like liquid. It's not paint. It's not, you know, mar- magic marker. It's like engraved in the wall. Yeah. He's been. He's, he got got. I I I got no other better I got no better phrase than that. <laughs> like no, he got no. he got boinked. Yeah. He got and he got read like a book. And it was so interesting too is like all these victims of the the hypnotism they they don't remember the ex but they want to hide it. Cuz like Takabe points it out he's like yo why is that there and then sakuma's like frantically trying to get rid of it right but he's like i don't know i don't know i don't know why i have it here i mean the nurse wipes it away because it's like this black ink she she's able to scrub it away and scrub it down don't know how it got there don't know when it got there actually but it's terrifying yeah and i'm all done with it i mean for god's sakes in the bathtub in Mommy is like junkyard apartment. There's a monkey who's twisted into knots with the X across his throat on oh, like the I didn't shower. Notice that. I didn't notice it's... that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Actually, yes. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's some voodoo. Creepy. It's like some voodoo stuff. It's creepy, man. It's creepy. I don't, I don't like it. I don't yeah, want I don't want yeah. it. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. Very, want... very evil. If I walk in and I see any of my stuffed animals with an X across their throat, I'm getting out and I'm sleeping in my car. (laughs) I don't care that it's October. I don't care that it's cold. There is no way. No way. No way. I'm out. I'm out, Jerry. Um, but yeah, uh, man, I mean, us talking about it does not do this film justice. I mean, that goes for everything. I, that goes for all the episodes, you know, talking about is one thing, but you got to watch them. Yeah. And in this case, most especially because it's more than just what you see visually, but it's also what you hear plays a big role in in the way in in setting the atmosphere of the film building these scenes up building the tension up um because again like i said it's not a traditional type of horror film with jump scares and stuff like that but the way i mean these ordinary objects and sounds they are like jump scares yeah, and especially at the end, right when we see this waitress pick up the knife, and I'm like, "Bro, no way!" I'm like, "It's scary, it's scary," yeah. but it's like so ordinary, you know. I mean, the way I... she was holding it wasn't ordinary, obviously, but you knew what she was going to do. I, I cannot tell you how many different ways I thought that last scene was going to go. I thought there there's a dude with a bowl cut who's like facing away from the camera. I thought that guy was gonna turn around and it was gonna be Mamiya. 
Oh. I was going to turn around and I was going to be like, what the hell? No. I mean, I was expecting uh, an X. I was expecting another vision of somebody just falling from the ceiling. I was expecting more death. Another, maybe another shot of his wife dead. Uh, maybe his wife comes back from the bathroom and sits down and he sees... He, it's like just a shot looking at her and it's her looking normal and then it's her decomposed throat crossed out dead body and then it's right back to her normally. Like, any one of those, I was like, it's gonna happen. But it's kind—it's that seemingly like really background, unnoticeable thing. Because no one else in that restaurant notices that she picks up the knife. Because she kind of just gets the message. She freezes. She walks robotically to the stand, gets the butcher's knife, and probably kills somebody. Yeah. And that's terrifying. That's terrifying. I mean, bravo, dude. Bravo to um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa for this. I mean, oh my god. This... Played well. This is, um... Yeah, this is a great horror film. I mean, this is one for the ages. And I'm not a fan of the genre. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the horror genre, but um, I've seen my fair share. I've seen The Thing, Alien, um, The Conjuring. I've seen Saw. I've seen, uh, I guess, Silence of the Lambs. Does that count? Do you count that as horror? I would. Yeah. Although I love Silence of the Lambs. I th- it's one of my favorite films. Ever. Sons of Lambs is a masterpiece. Um, some, I, I'm trying to remember other stuff, but I, I can't really think of... Oh, S- S- Carnival of Souls. And House. Hasu. That one's a classic. But, yeah, this one is... It's so non-threatening on the surface. Yeah. But like, it isn't. It it's so sinister. Yeah. I mean, it's wow, amazing. I've got one more thing, just one more thing to add. Yeah. The film opens with uh, Fumi, the wife of uh, Takabe, in an appointment with a psychiatrist, reading a book, yep. a fairy tale, the folk tale of Bluebeard. Bluebeard is uh, common, like, he's referenced a ton in a lot of movies. Like, go-to. Um, he, Bluebeard is a guy with a blue beard, go figure, who comes to a farm, offers his hand to the farmer's daughter. Daughter says yes, she goes in to get married, and they, they're married and they live happily ever after. He gives her the key to his house, his domain, and everything. And she can go everywhere, anywhere except the, except the basement. And then he leaves. What does she do? She goes to the basement. She opens up the basement. She sees his previous wives all hanging in, in a bunch of variety ways. It's disgusting. Either hanging by the neck or hanging on meat hooks or 
bloody and bloody and disgusting, and the floor's covered in blood, and it's brutal. And she drops the key. Now, the key is a magic key, and it holds all of the stains in it. Uh, and so she goes up and she tries to return the key, but it still has, she tries to clean it, it still has all the stains. He sees the bloody key, he knows what she's done, he's going to kill her too. She asks for, you know, help to be saved, and Bluebeard is then dispatched. He's killed. But the act of, and this is, this is where the, this ties in with this whole film, the act of Bluebearding is the act of basically marrying and then killing one wife after another. Or, you could say it like this, meeting and then telling them to kill one acquaintance after another. Oh. Dang. Wow. Ah, I love it. That's great. That's great. Good illusion is the best. Uh, not blood, not murder. Please don't kill your spouse. Please don't kill your friends. Uh, and that is an official cinematic odyssey. Uh, stance, please don't kill anybody. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Very bad. Very bad. Grave, grave thing to do. Wow, Don't I didn't know him. that. I didn't know that story. Honestly, I never heard of that story until I watched it. I mean, there's a watched a lot of different versions, but it's that that's like the main version. It's just he's killed all of his previous wives, and what's one more? <laughs> I see. I see. It's yeah. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, terrific. Great time. But yeah, but that's, that's the cure, though. Yeah. Yeah. On a happier Great note. Great yeah, it is. But maybe on a happier note. Hopefully, on a happier note. Now our, we're bringing back the lists. We're trying to get uh, again, be consistent on these. But our list for tonight is our five favorite films that we have done episodes on. For this so we've got an option we've got a pool of 40 to choose from and something tells me we have not chosen the same five uh yeah, just just a hunch some of some i have not i assume yeah probably not yeah but go first. these are our favorites you want me to go first sure go ahead okay uh i had a good list I'm going to go honorable mentions first because I wanted the five to be movies that I saw for the first time as part of this. Okay. So my honorable mentions are Jojo Rabbit, Lady Bird, and Drive My Car. Just because I had seen them before watching them again for and the episode that we would do on each of them. Uh, my number five pick is RRR. I loved it. Like, come on. How do you not? <laughs> it's physically impossible not to love that movie. Um, number four, I have Parasite. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Re- uh, really good. Really, really good. Um, I mean, I'm going to make my dad watch it. My dad said, oh, I fell asleep. I'm like, what do you mean you fell asleep? Just get there. Uh, <laughs> uh, number three, I have City of God. Okay. Very, very recent edition, but like, yeah. honestly, it was just, I mean, I think it was just the storytelling. It was so good. No, it, 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 it scratched an itch in my brain for that. Like, we can talk about best. I mean, that would be up there too. But for yeah. favorite, it definitely also goes there. Um, two, Triangle of Sadness. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, that's a good film. It's great. It's gotta be. It's, good. it's a good movie. Uh, but I will say my favorite one that we've seen so far is Fallen Angels from Wong Kar Wai. Oh, okay. I I think that that film is one of the most beautiful things I've seen ever. Wow. It's stunning. It's well written. It's beautifully shot. I... No notes. It's spectacular. Mm-hmm. And okay. that is my favorite to this point. Okay. Um, this is going to be hard for me. Because there are a lot of films that we've talked about that I love and adore. But I'm going to restrict it to five. <laughs> there are some that I won't mention. Okay, honorable mentions. Um... Ladybird. Um, I love Ladybird. It's near and dear to my heart. I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, it's in my top ten all-time favorite movies of all time. I think it's at number five. Um, I'm not gonna bother to check right now. Actually, hold on. Give me one second. Let me just double check. It's number three. Actually, number three. Oh my gosh. Actually, you know, if that's the case, that's going to go in my top five. Let me, let me just, let me do my five first. Let me do my five first. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me, uh, okay. All right. This is in no particular order, but I'm going to say first one, Ran, uh, from Akira Kurosawa. Um, most definitely up there. I mean, yeah, I was instantly captivated. Like the moment I finished watching that, I was in awe. The images, the storytelling. Yes, it's King Lear, as you always say, but no, it's more than that. It's oh my god, Akira Kurosawa is a genius. I mean, this man is amazing at what he does. May he rest in peace. Um, four. Um, Children of Men. I Ooh. absolutely adore Children of Men. It's one of my all-time favorite films. I also believe that's in my top ten uh, favorites of all time. Yeah, I mean, I could watch that over and over again. Never get tired of it. I mean, the commentary is brilliant. The the look of it is just 
mesmerizing, the cinematography, everything, acting, the storytelling, the concept is just brilliant all around. Alfonso Cuaron, one of the best li- one of the best filmmakers of his generation. Easily. It's, it's number five on your list. Oh, number five? Okay. okay. Number five. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Um see this is where it gets hard. Because there's a lot that I love. There's a lot of films that I absolutely love. Obviously, I'm gonna say oh, man, for this third spot, it's gonna be this is tough. <laughs> this is tough. Cause it's it's between Soikuba. Ooh. Yee Yee. Tar. Oh. Uncut Gems. Um, City of God. And the history of the Seattle Mariners. Like Ooh. all all of those belong. All of those will be if I did a top ten, those would all be in the top ten. Um, but for number three, I'm gonna have to go with Yee Yee. Yee yeah. Edward Yang. Um that was I mean, talking about that film was so much fun. I love talking about that movie. This is a film that you know, it's very slow, deliberate, but it I think it's very enlightening to to kind of get a new perspective on life and you know, not taking for granted the monotony of life and the things that we kind of experience on a day-to-day. Um, I mean, the way that Edward, he portrays each stage of life in such a very beautiful way. Um, you know, with childhood, adolescence, adulthood, and seniority. Um, I don't know, man. It's so poetic and so beautiful um and it's so moving it's such a moving picture um i cannot i cannot recommend this film enough i mean yee yee and brighter summer day too for that matter um but yee yee i think for me holds a a closer place in my heart um because man it's it's such a beautiful film i can't i can't say enough good things about yee yee it's it's amazing okay so top two Lady Bird, number two. Um, a film also close, near and dear to my heart. Very sentimental film, especially with regards to, you know, the com- the 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 relationship between Lady Bird and her mom. I can relate to quite a lot. Um, and for that reason, and it's just also fun to watch. I love the film. It's great. I love Greta Gerwig's work. She's amazing. Um, yeah, Lady Bird. And obviously number one. You probably are expecting this. Uh, I, I have a guess actually. Should I write it down? Should I play Final Jeopardy or like what is this? Newlywed game? Uh I have my guess. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, let me see. No, say it. Oh, Lion. Lion, Lion, yep. yeah. Yeah, oh, I Lion. mean come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was our first episode a year ago now. Um 
man, it's been a while. We should do a, you know, at some point we should revisit it. Honestly, do a redux, redux. Ooh, honestly, if we do rewatches of any of these uh, that that we've done, because I have a few rewatches planned for some of the stuff we've done earlier this year. Um, new things we've noticed. Bonus feature. Yeah. And, I mean, considering this is also our first episode, um, you know, we've kind of improved. And there's... Oh, yeah. We've seen so much more since then, especially with you. So, you know, there's oh. probably new things that you'd notice and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Lyanne, uh this is a film that is just nonstop genius from beginning to end. I can't sing my praises for it enough. I think it's top 10, top 10 greatest films I've ever seen in my life. Um, And obviously it's my number one favorite film of all time. Um, So I can't, I look, just, you know, go back, listen to the episode one, or just, how about this? Better yet, watch the movie again. How about that? Watch it. You will not regret it. I mean, I, I just, man, I get so happy thinking about Lan. I really want to rewatch it now. It's been a while. <laughs> hey, you got time. You got time in the evening. I, I mean. I know. <laughs> um, But yeah, Lan. Uh, shoot, man. It's amazing. But yeah, I mean, and and also honorable mentions too. Um, Soikuba, as I said, the History of the yeah. Seattle Mariners, City of God, yes, Tar. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved it. I was, I, I know, was, I know, yeah, you know. And for those that were listening, that back then, you guys know how much I freaking love that movie. Uncut Gems, obviously. Um. After Sun, After Sun, loved Ooh. After Sun. Yeah, very powerful film. Um, Fallen Angels, of course, that was really good. And um, I think Coda. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from you. It was a good movie. I wrote that down. That made my like twelve. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How dare you? Is that too? I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, lion sucks too. No, I can't even. I can't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) One of these days, we're gonna review a movie that I love, and that you're gonna like absolutely be like, "Wow, this is trash." I mean, didn't we do that already? Isn't that what Uncut Gems is? We did that immediately. <laughs> I mean, I guess. We did it with know. Licorice Pizza, too. I didn't really care for that one, either. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, now I'm getting more of an appreciation of the nuance. Like, oh, I see how you like that. And then I just kind of push it away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until we review Speed Racer one of these days. Is that one of the Hot Wheels movies? No, no. Speed Racer. 
That's what? A, the Wachowskis did that. Do you not know about this movie? Who is a Wachowski? The Wachowski sisters? Or the Wachowskis? The Matrix directors? Okay. And... I'm seeing the I'm seeing the cast and I'm like, no, I know these people. <laughs> yeah, Speed Racer. Dude, I love Speed Racer. I actually I failed to read that well. I I thought instead of saying born into a family of, of race cars, I mean I thought it meant he's a talking car and this is just art film cars. <laughs> art film cars. Actually, what are we cars? When are we going to talk about cars? Because you know, life is in fact a highway. <laughs> Ka-chow. Oh my lord. Academy Award winner Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> but yeah, that that's uh, that's my list. That's my list. It's a very good list. Yeah, very good list too. Well, I was expecting you. Coda. I was expecting Coda at number one. I respect it. Thank you. Uh, no. I mean, I think that that's a good movie. I think that I have more favorites from this. Ah, okay, I mean, okay. I think Coda's like a comfort movie. I can go back to that uh-huh. and watch that and feel the same as I did the first time. Uh-huh. I think the other ones have moved me a little bit more mm. and and given me that, which is why, again, like a lot of the stuff that made my list that didn't make the cut was stuff that has a little bit more meaning, a little bit more substance behind it. So, like, I, I mean, I did have Coda there. But I had Ikaru. I had Moonlight. I had Decision to Leave. Mm. Um, yeah. Those that talk about a little bit more stuff, maturity, uh, man- manhood, manliness, masculinity, growing up, um, love. Like, ha- containing those, like, heavy themes get me sign me up like yeah really like sign me up i'm in i'm totally in but uh yeah i mean again fallen angels heck yeah but we have an ep- we have episodes planned That's like right. we said earlier yeah. we, have, we have stuff planned i know what a shocker indeed so you are Hopefully hearing this as it comes, as this episode comes out on October 18th, the one year anniversary of the Cinematic Odyssey. Uh, Tell all your friends, tell all your family members, it's one year. Wish us happy birthday, uh, mailing address for checks and or birthday money, uh, birthday cards. Uh, You know, if you actually just want to send us a gift, you can just like DM Tristan and he'll... uh, Accept any of the Criterion Collection on Blu-ray. Uh, if if you're feeling if you're feeling up to it, like I, I don't know if your birthday's coming up, but uh, this is, is this, this is your birthday. Is. My birthday is coming up. It's this month. It's October twenty-sixth. So, yeah. One day after another episode releases. <laughs> Egad. <laughs> oh man. But the coming up, we're sticking in the horror, uh, the mm-hmm. horror realm. That's right. Next Wednesday, October twenty fifth, a brand new episode of the Cinematic Odyssey. Night. What is it? It's Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, the zombie classic. I think 
one of the very first zombie films ever, if not the first zombie film ever. I think so. Don't quote me on that. Although it's directed from iconic legend uh, George Romero as a horror enthusiast. should definitely know his name. If you don't know his name, then are you really a horror enthusiast? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a horror enthusiast, uh, and yeah. I know his name. But yeah, Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a classic. This is a classic. I've never seen it before, uh, so it's gonna be my first time watching it. I mean, zombies. That's like one of the most overused tropes in horror ever, if not the most overused. Oh, we're going back to the beginning. And we're going back to the OG. OG. Indeed. <laughs> and now. We're also weighing between us the possibility of a bonus episode on the 31st of October, Halloween. That's right. Uh, if that is something you're interested in, let us know. We'll put up a poll. Again, that's on odyssey.of.cinema on Instagram. So yeah. uh, let us know yeah, if, if that is something you're interested in. People... And we'll decide on a bonus yeah. film. Yeah. But... The day after that bonus episode potentially releases, we'll be dropping a new episode on Eraserhead from David Lynch. David Lynch's debut, directorial debut. Bingo. And that's, I want to say, 71. Just a little leap forward from Romero. Uh, uh, I don't know. You... I, 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 I put my life on it. If I can spell eraser. <laughs> I'm a dummy. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I can't. <laughs> Here we go. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh boy. 77. 77. Oh. All right. If you if I'm not on the next episode, it's because I've had my carotid arteries cut and there is a big massive X across my throat and chest. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> oh man. After yeah, after Eraserhead, November eighth, the forty sixth episode, we're gonna be talking about Paul Thomas Anderson's magnum opus, masterpiece, There Will Be Blood, the 2007 um, gargantuan film with possibly the greatest performance in cinematic history, question mark, from Daniel Day-Lewis, the master um, who I think is the greatest actor of all time. I don't know if you hold that same opinion. Um, I just didn't think we were doing clickbait this early. <laughs> greatest actor ever? Cinematic Odyssey discusses greatest film? Daniel Day-Lewis, best actor? It was just, it was just your tone. I loved it. <laughs> um, although, I, look, no clickbait, no clickbait, though. I do think 
in my humble opinion, that There Will Be Blood is the greatest film of the 21st century. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seatbelt buckled. I know. That's going to be a big one. Yeah. But, uh, we're all, this This is all on the route to, uh, episode 50, uh, which will be another Wong Kar Wai film, In the Mood for Love, on December 6th. But tentatively, that's what we've got it at. But on the way up, we'll, talk, we'll touch on Ingrid Bergman. We'll touch on Ruben Usland and his uh, first Palme d'Or winner. Uh, we'll have The Square. We'll have Autumn Sonata from Bergman. And, you know, just in time for Thanksgiving, uh, you can watch it at home with your family. You can watch The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, which is also coming up from us. I know. So, hey. uh, and it guess what? It's our first Scorsese film. We haven't we haven't talked about a Scorsese film. So, hey, if we're gonna talk about one, might as well talk about his most famous work. Am I right? I was gonna say Taxi Driver. Yeah, that would probably fit more in line with the our show. But hey, guess what? It's all good. It's Scorsese. It's Scorsese. It's a, it's a legend. Yeah, that's true. We can promote his stuff now. Now that now that the uh, writer's strike is over. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Killers of the Flower Moon. Indeed. Yeah. C- comes out soon. Five days to be exact. But um yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. I can't Thank you. that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know if you're prepared, dude. I don't know if you're prepared because you haven't seen it. I'm probably not. Yeah. It's pretty it's hilarious. It's very funny, but it's also eye-opening. Eye-opening. Very eye-opening. <laughs> don't I don't like that you said that three times. Let's just let's just let's just do it. <laughs> thank you. I just want to say thank you again to everybody who's listened thus far in the episode. And uh, to has who have listened to one or all of the episodes prior, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being here and hearing us talk about stuff that we love. Yes. And hopefully yes. we're showing you new stuff that maybe you can love as well. Yeah, that's that was always the goal from day one. That was always my intention of starting a film podcast. Uh, you know, sharing my love of film, um, broadcasting that out to the world, whoever would be willing to listen and share that love with me. Um, you know, thank you, Max, again for for billi- for willing, you know, for hopping on and being the the uh, my co-host uh, on the show for the past year. It's been great. Um, yeah, on to another successful year of the Cinematic Odyssey. We'll see what this year has in store for us, year two. Um, maybe. Who am I kidding? I'm going to go obscure as hell. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm kidding. Maybe, hey, maybe, um, maybe this year we'll we'll throw in some trilogies. I don't know. We'll see change it up um but yeah i mean 
it's exciting. It's exciting. It's been great. It's been a great time. Great first year. We've grown, and uh, you know we have a loyal fan base. So appreciate every single one of you that that continue to listen and tune in every week. Uh, thank you so much. It means a lot um, to the both of us. And uh, yeah, continue supporting us. Thank you. We can't thank you guys enough. Seriously. Um, so yeah, next week is going to be Night of Living Dead, George Romero. And uh, yeah, this this has been the cure, not the cure. It's been cure uh, from Kiyoshi Kurosawa on behalf of us here at the Cinematic Odyssey. Thank you for listening. See you guys next week. Uh, forever.